0: The Blaze Radio Network
1: on Demand
2: Lock and Load.
3: This is Steve Dace, The Steve Day Show.
1: Greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live on the Blaze On Demand at CRTV. I am Steve Dace. We'd love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We will be getting to some of your feedback coming up in hour two of the program. But of course, since it's a Friday, you know what time it is. It is time for the Dace Group. It is your weekly look at the week that was, and yes, for our new viewers and listeners here on The Blaze, if that music and the logo and it all sounds familiar, it's because it is. We totally ripped it off from the McLaughlin group, but John's dead now, so I think he'll be okay with it. Let's get to issue one, 17 days.
3: The last week has seen lots of things like Kristen Sinema, the Democrat Senate nominee from Arizona, confronted with some things she said in her past. Arizona is the state of the five C's. But I would add a sixth C, it's called crazy.
4: <laughs> and I wanna talk to you about some of the things that I think that you can do
3: to stop your state from becoming Arizona. And my state Arizona is clearly the mess lab of democracy.
4: <laughs> um, people would watch
3: what was happening in Arizona and be like, Dan, those people are crazy. And I wanna talk to you about some of the things that I think that you can do to stop your state from becoming Arizona. Ted Cruz and Beta O'Rourke had a debate. You are right that there, there is a loss of civility, there is an anger, there is a rage on the far left that, that is really frightening. You know, the images... Doesn't, of, doesn't uh, that, uh, hold on, let me answer with... It. Don't interrupt me, Jason. Lots of leftist meltdowns and attacks. I hate Ted Cruz! I
1: hate
3: Ted Cruz! But still, the real clear politics, congressional, generic ballot, rolling average has the Democrats with a 7.6% lead on Republicans. 538 still has the Democrats with a five in six chance of taking the House, while in the Senate we interrupt this broadcast to present a special message from Arkansas Congressman French Hill.
4: My name's French. What do you think about what's happening in Washington?
3: Our Congressman French Hill and the Republicans know that it's dangerous to change the presumption of innocence to a presumption of guilt, especially for black men. If the Democrats can do that to a white justice of the Supreme Court with no evidence, no corroboration, and all of her witnesses, including her best friend, say it didn't happen, what will happen to our husbands, our fathers, or our sons when a white girl lies on them? Girl, white Democrats will be lynching black folk again.
4: Honey, I've always told my son, don't be messing around with that. If you get caught, she will cry rape. I'm voting to keep Congressman French Hill and the Republicans because we have to protect our men and boys. We can't afford to let white Democrats take us back to bad old days of race verdicts, life sentences, and lynchings when a white girl screams rape.
1: Paid for by black Americans for the president's agenda.
3: Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. Yes. Yes, that's a real ad.
4: How...
1: what am I allowed to think of that ad before I say anything about it? Or should I just not say anything?
2: <laughs> Metaphysical certitude, people.
1: In fairness to the congressman from Arkansas, he is saying he had nothing to do with that ad. And, and again, the tag is black Americans in favor of Trump's agenda, <laughs> Yep. Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Right. All right, let's get to the first question. The big winner and big loser from this week on the campaign trail, Todd and I begin with you.
2: Well, I think... The big loser might be uh, Saturday Night Live political commentary, because, and which has been very, very funny in the can I Can
1: I hit timeout since you went there right away? Of course. If, if SNL ran that skit tomorrow night yes. and claimed a Republican was going to run that ad, every one of us in conservative media would be back on the air Monday. Aaron, yes. That, is that not what we'd, we'd all be doing, right? Except that actually. We preempted them. So now, you know what? You're right. The SNL
2: stuff. Yeah,
1: I know. Back there. Crap. Why try? How are we going to put on the air on Saturday night now? Yes. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, Why try? Uh, Other uh, uh, losers are uh, Republicans uh, in Minnesota who, you know, just, you know, trying to do their sense of civic duty and uh, get elected to stuff are uh, getting... Physically assaulted as we predicted uh, would uh, on this very uh, uh show several weeks ago. So unfortunately, th- those are the kind of predictions you make. uh And I've talked about this about my predictions overall. that's like you, 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 they're in your head, but you don't say them. You need, you need more because you don't want to be part of the problem. But put it, but now ever since t- Trump twenty sixteen, my calculus is like. Crazy is true as often as not. And you have to, you you just have to be honest with people. And the simple fact of the matter is, uh, These are violent people. You are seeing uh, the winner. I think I'm going to go with that that in Arizona. Uh, The messaging of the commercial being put out there. Let them speak in their words. This is important. It's not hyperbolic. You need to understand this. A revolution is at hand. The GOP, all kinds of problems. I'm not telling you to vote for them, not for them. But I'm going to tell you about progressives is they aren't Americans anymore other than living in these borders. They aren't Americans. They're the, other Americans. They are They are other Americans. And yeah, I guess that is a form of tribalism, but it is actually the real tribalism. They, they they, want to turn this place into something that has nothing to do with the Declaration of Independence, uh, the Constitution, and the Judeo-Christian framework that informed the writing of both of those. That's just true. And they admit it to you, quite frankly, more and more. You should listen to them.
1: We should also mention, because, you know, if we're going to be critical of the media— when they do fake news and they hack it up, which is minute by minute, when they get it right, we should give them credit as well. What really broke the Kristen Cinema story open is, is CNN and BuzzFeed found out that she was hosting a, a radio show with a 9-11 truther a few years ago. And, and when he mentioned that he feels more at home fighting against the U.S. Uh, with the Taliban, she essentially wished him well. And told them, "Hey, I don't blame you. I mean, I'd be a, you know, you should go fight with you should go fight with the Taliban." And so, CNN and Buzzfeed, not exactly our buddies, but CNN and Buzzfeed coming out with that news about Kristen Cinema kind of caused people to then start looking a little bit more at where who, what she's about, and and the floodgates have kind of opened up on her. So we want to we want to congratulate uh, CNN and Buzzfeed for committing an act of actual journalism uh, here. In traditional America, those don't happen very often. Aaron, your big winners and losers of the week.
3: Um, I, I would say the big uh, winner. I'll start with the the winner of the week. I would say uh, along the lines of what we just have been talking about. I would say it is uh, is it's rhinos. Um, th- those are the big winners because they don't have any other leg to stand on right now, other than the left. McSally, the the woman who Kristen Sim- Cinema yeah, is rhino. running yeah. against. Yeah, yeah, she, you know what her Liberty Scorecard is percentage wise. Guess
1: because she's in the Congress. I am going to guess yeah. it's about fifty.
3: Wow, guys, that's some optimism from Steve Dace. No, it's no, it's thirty-seven. It's it's thirty-seven. I
1: tried to think. Well, let's yeah. see. The the congressional scores tend to be more conservative, and she's still in a Republican state. So I thought maybe like she'd at least split no. the baby and happen. No, we were. Least, <laughs> no. She's Lindsey Graham.
2: Every yeah, once right. in a while, we give our viewers Pollyanna Dace. It's yeah. a fascinating
1: it's, creature. It's crazy. Yeah, I only thought I thought she had an F plus, <laughs> yeah. but she had an F minus. Damn it. Anyway, yeah. continue, Aaron. I'm yeah. sorry.
3: I think the the biggest um, loser of the week has um, it. I don't know. It's it's got to be it's it's got to be um, Smod once more. I, I've refused to take these 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 questions, the biggest winner and loser, um, seriously on any level because everybody's losing. I mean, this is dumb times dumb equals dumb, and whoever's dumbest last loses, as we just talked about. And so I think Smod he has let us down. Sweet Meteor of Death has let us down so many times. The by ultimate tease, yes. And he's just he or she. I don't want to assume gender, but. Um, They, uh, Z, are just not coming through, and we need them, and we need them more than uh, ever now. The hero we deserve, but not the one we need right now. No, it's the other way around.
1: Well said. Shannon Joy, New York talk show host. Your thoughts on this week's developments on the campaign trail?
0: So Aaron just stole a little bit of my thunder. The biggest winner, absolutely, in my estimation, are the rhinos in Washington, D.C. I think the biggest loser of this week is conservatism and the conservative movement, which has been ideologically appropriated now by the likes of Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, and the entirety of the D.C. swamp. Uh, Just a few headlines this week really stood out to me, and really the way that Republicans, even conservative Republicans, are campaigning for these midterms. They're not campaigning on the typical things that you hear from conservatives, fiscal sanity, lowering the debt and deficit, uh, securing the border. You have folks like Scott Walker running on a platform of guaranteed coverage for pre-existing conditions, right? You have uh, uh, New Yorkers here in New York State, uh, the conservative party is running ads Uh, voiced by Kevin McCarthy, talking about the new conservatism and how they support conservatism. Um, You have the AmericanConservative.com, who just released a story written by Chase Madar. It was entitled The Conservative Case for Universal Healthcare. And then you guys mentioned this week on your program, The American. Enterprise Institute, which is celebrating the gender transition of one of their top policy experts, Charles oh, uh, awesome. yeah. Donnelly. And so here, what you have here is just a, a complete gutting of conservatism. So the conservative movement, I said earlier on my program, is dead. I meant it, and that's the biggest loser in my estimation this week.
3: um I love that she ended with a smile too. That she, she did. She gets the show. And you know what? Uh, if you
1: just end, I need one more thing from you. I need it to, when you smile like that, I just need to say, bless their heart, all right? If you can do that for me, I think we're good. Bless their heart. All right, then all the, then all the hate I'll get about you, I think, will all go away uh, if you just end with a bless your heart, okay? But everything Shannon said there, that analysis is 100% right off. Yep. And what, what's happening is exactly what our buddy Daniel Horowitz a Conservative Review on the healthcare front, it's exactly what he predicted would happen. So when you look at the structure of Obamacare, Steve, what's that have to do with this conversation? You're about to find out everything. When you look at the structure of Obamacare, Obamacare was primarily driven by two things subsidies and regulations. All right, so the regulations included mandates for corporations and mandates for individuals. Those got repealed, and we all celebrated. Right, and it's Dean Clancy who used to be the uh, really the idea guy at Freedom Works before he left. He used to describe uh, the, the the mandates as the thermal exhaust port. If you get the Star Wars reference to Obamacare, you you blow those up and Obamacare implodes. And he's right about that, All right? But the problem is, in, in in true Team GOP fashion, they did they they did the healthcare version of our Middle East foreign policy. Instead of you, you were we were better off keeping Obamacare in place. And going all the way with it than what they, wanted, what they wanted to do. Similar to, there's no way we can convince Islamists who don't believe in free will to have democracy, but we're better off trying to do that than we are trying to half ass both things at the same time. And all we do is just get everybody killed, which is what happened in Kandahar this week. So, what the GOP did is they left the regs in place, they only repealed the mandates. And so all the pre-existing condition, all the, you know, uh, 26-year-old men got to pay for a pap smear, you know, and Aaron's insurance coverage, which I'm paying for, all right? All that stuff is all in place. It's still there, okay? All the regs are there. The mandates are gone. And um, they wanted to, and then they got rid of the subsidies. So what happens? Let's do some math. I tell you you have to pay for something you previously didn't have to pay for. I then get rid of the two instruments, the mandate and the subsidies, that would help to cover the cost for this increased um, list of services that I demand you, that you perform. What's going to happen to the cost of those services, Todd? Simple economics, what's going to
2: happen? Well, they are going to go up, and they were going to go up either way. This is yes. just a shell game. You yes. paying, either you're getting higher taxes, or you're paying more for your premium. Yes, they
1: were going to go up either way, but now the problem is, because the GOP decided to let them go up when they were on the clock, they now take full yep. ownership of Obamacare. Everything Daniel Horowitz predicted a year and a half ago on this show is coming true right now. And so all the consultants, you know, I tweeted this yesterday, and I think people thought that I wasn't agreeing with the consultants. The consultants are telling the GOP candidates the truth. They're telling them that you, you're getting killed right now on health care. That's true. The problem is, is that the answer they think the antidote to this is we're going to we're going to actually do when they when, if we're going to cover every pre-existing condition then essentially that's universal coverage and this is the debate you and I had remember we had this debate a few years ago and and you told me that if we didn't get rid of if we didn't get rid of you know covering every pre-existing condition then i mean we we can't yeah. have healthcare reform i never disagreed with you i just told you i've been around the block in this political party i know how it operates they're never going to do that and now you got Scott Walker, Mister. You know, stand up to the union mobocracy. You got Ted Cruz. I'm not going to discriminate here. Yeah, even one of my buddies is now running on. We're going to cover pre-existing conditions. Why? Because those guys are now trapped.
2: Well, this is why I said we had to get rid of yeah, it. Because I if, know about these. Yeah, yeah, if you if you
1: don't get if if if, if you're going to tell everybody we're going to cover every affliction you have. But we're not going to make Aaron's generation that doesn't want to, that's healthy and doesn't want to buy insurance. We're not going to make them buy it if they don't want it anymore. And we're not going to subsidize the hell out of the insurance cartel because if Republicans keep sending bailout checks to the insurance companies, they get called rightly so crony capitalists. And that's every Democratic campaign commercial you've ever watched, right? So they, they're not going to keep subsidizing the insurance companies. They're not going to keep telling the millennial generation that they were hemorrhaging voters. They have to keep paying for elderly people's pre-existing and, and disabled people's pre-existing conditions. But they're not going to tell all those. Elderly and elderly and, and people that vote you know, disproportionately more than any other demographic, we're not covering every one of your chronic ailments every more, anymore, well, just do all the math. All the means by which of softening the blow are eliminated, but the blow remains, so the costs are going to go up, and those are going to get passed on to you as consumers. So what the consultants are telling the GOP is correct. The problem is it's a mess that the GOP made of itself. They made the mess themselves. It's a little bit, let me use an analogy. It's a little bit like you tell your kids, you know, if you, keep, if you keep taking your dinner up to your room and you never bring the dishes down and you never clean out the trash and you never clean your room, you're going to have bugs, right? Then you go into the room after they do this for a few months and you tell them you got bugs. They have bugs. We left one key part of it out. Why, 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 are, why are there bugs in their room? Because they didn't clean up the room, take the dishes down, and, and take out the trash like you told them to. They, this is a mess of their own making. And it's similar to what we're seeing corporately with Trump. They are getting all of the backlash of Trump's antics and persona— And and very little of the benefit, and the only benefit they're getting is because of the way the left has shown has reared their ugly mob you know mobocracy head in the last few weeks with Kavanaugh and then the antics that we keep showing that they're doing to candidates and people's yard signs. If they didn't have that, see you know that's what I tweeted out before the show here today. The Overton Window only wants half of the equation permitted. It only desires half of the reason the GOP has been playing catch up in voter enthusiasm all this year. It, it only wants the, the, the one half of because nobody because a few people like Trump's personality and antics. Well, that's true, but it's not the fullness of the truth. That's only half of the equation. The other half of the equation is that while that, that tells us why Democratic voter energy is max lit, it doesn't tell us why Republican voter energy has been dimly lit until the, G, the Democrats went out there and started lighting everybody's pilots the last few weeks. And it's because they didn't repeal Obamacare. They didn't defund Planned Parenthood, they didn't build a wall, and they didn't end endless Middle East war. The stuff we were all promised that they were going to do, that if we didn't do these things, they told me if I didn't vote for Trump, we'd never repeal Obamacare, we'd never get out of Afghanistan, we'd never defund Planned Parenthood, and you know what, I didn't vote for Trump, and they weren't exactly right. We didn't do any of those things. And all we got out of this, you got a couple, maybe one really good Supreme Court justice, uh, you know, Kavanaugh's background and in record indicates, eh, We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. And you got a temporary tax cut that the Democrats are appeal first chance they get. That's all you got out of this for two years. And so since the Demo- since the Republicans don't have promises kept to run on, they're they're back to running on the same thing they've run on the, the, really for the last twenty years. But the Democrats now, the Democrats are like out there right now fulfilling every GOP campaign commercial, and that is closing the energy gap. But I don't believe it will. That that oh, negative energy alone does not close a sale. You have to give people reasons to vote for you. And so while I believe that the left's, the left's mobocracy tactics have closed the energy gap, they will not close the sale. And I really believe we're having two elections happening in two different Americas. You have the House election that's happening in the progressive election America. And then you have the Senate election that's happening in the Republican uh, or the traditional America. And the Republicans have about the most favorable Senate map they could have ever drawn up. That's why, That's why, despite everything I just said, I think they're going to win a couple of seats, probably. Gain a couple. And and that's why, despite how much the left is making an ass out of themselves, I think they're going to lose the House. Because there's just... Too many places, the back, there, there's, there's not one wave, there's not a red wave like Trump is pra- claiming, and there's not a massive blue wave like their propaganda is claiming. What you're seeing is back, is, is, is rising tides of backlash that will largely, I believe, cancel each other out. And we're going to sit here the day after the election, we're going to think, you know, all, all, this, all this hand-wringing and all this analysis, and here's what we could have probably predicted on January 2nd. Democrats are going to win the House because there were too many competitive districts in, in, in places Hillary won in 2016. And Republicans gained a couple of Senate seats because there were too many contests in states. Trump overwhelmingly won in 2016. And all of the rest of this sideshow, really, Shannon, I don't think is changing the math here all that much. What do you think?
0: No, and I think that this is this is evident in a press release that was just put out by the White House and President Trump. And it shows, I mean, what you're talking about, the depressed nature of the American populace especially conservatives and Republicans is that they're feeling it in their health care premiums and their deductibles which are going up right now for a lot of people now the president released a, a press release and it was really interesting to read because the press release essentially said he saved the Americans uh, American people from Obamacare health care premiums might go down next year because he's been told by the insurance cartel that they are going to go down and the the only numbers that they featured in that press release were uh, the number uh, that would be health care premiums for federally uh, funded Obamacare policy plans. And they're promising that they'll go back down by 1.5 percent, which is ridiculous, seeing that in the the, uh, the statement before that, they talked about how since Obamacare, they've gone up a hundred over a hundred percent. Yeah. So you have the president saying, you know what, thank me because your policies used to be two fifty a month, now they're five hundred a month, and I'm gonna take them down by one point five percent, which is about seven dollars. And the American people, see, eventually that registers with American people and they realize when you have rising gas pipe prices, you have inflation, you have Obamacare premiums going up, you have a tax cut that has been replaced by tariffs imposed by this president. Uh, any benefit that you had there is going to be wiped out by increasing prices and also the destruction of manufacturing jobs and, and farming jobs across the Midwest. You have something real that Americans are feeling that is not being portrayed in conservative or liberal media. So I think you are nailing it when you talk about kind of a malaise among conservative Republican voters, and I do think it's going to play out in uh, the midterms.
1: Exit question. If the current hopes of Republicans in 2018 in the election were an ACDC song, which ACDC song would it be? A, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll, B, highway to hell, C, shoot to thrill. Aaron. Uh,
3: Highway to hell forever and always. (laughs) Shannon.
0: Once again, I do not like my choices, so I'm going with... (laughs) Lincoln uh, Lincoln park, Steve, because I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't really matter.
2: That's actually pretty good. Yeah. Todd? Hey, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Issue two,
4: things tyrants say. We have to have total clarity about what we do when it comes to everything. A woman's right to choose. Mar- well, we didn't pass a marriage equality. That was in the court's but hopefully that will be protected. But we passed other LGBTQ legislation, whether it because whether it's about immigration, whether it's about gun safety, whether it's about climate. We didn't even talk about climate. Uh, I'm just talking to Ed Markey when I was coming over here talking about wanting to establish, again, a select committee on climate and, and with the storms and the rest, increased interest in it. And he said, remember, that what we said was we wanted to uh, pass an overwhelming number of jobs in order to protect all of our our society. So anyway, I think that we owe the American people to be there for them, for for their financial security, respecting the dignity and worth of every person in our country. And if there's some um, collateral damage For some others who do not share
1: our view, well, so be it. First question, Todd, think of the average Democrat, you know, that you didn't work in a newsroom with. That's not what I mean, okay? I mean, like an actual person that lives in a real America, but votes Democrat. How many of them do you think would embrace that message we just saw from Nancy Pelosi?
2: The majority of them. The majority. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the majority
1: right. of the Democrat people that you would call friend are fine if you're colli- if you and your family are collateral damage. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay. well,
2: they they would, go, but th- th- that obviously, oh well, don't, that you know, you gotta figure out what she means by that. Um, but um, they, they would try to parse it that way. Um, but that they view, I mean, their capacity to view the other is is second. To none. I, I've got a really good friend who uh, not only did I work at the, uh, the newsroom, but I played adult baseball with things like that. And, uh, you know, he he keeps commenting on craziness out of Trump. Camp. Will the will the adults ever wake up? I mean, and he, he he's always been one of those guys who because I'm I'm you know, I'm one of those guys in the middle. I, I but I keep telling him, come on, man. Yeah, I mean. I like you. I'll never stop like you, but you're them. You agree with this stuff. You just should admit it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, you're still one of the greatest reporters I've ever known. He, he actually has a capacity to go to work and do that. Um, but they really do believe this, and and stick to forget that point. I mean, that's obviously the point that's that's doing the same thing as um, what's her name calls for violence. Forgive me. Um, uh, who's that?
1: oh uh, Kamala Harris? Yeah, uh, the the oh, Democrat uh, Congresswoman Maisie. Uh, no, Arana. no, the, no, not Maisie Arano. It's the, it's, Texas, it's the oh the, yeah Shirley Jackson. Lee. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. But the one. Um, what's w- funny is we named like six people <laughs> yes. immediately no, crazy. when he said the crazy one. We had like six names ready.
2: But listen to what the crazy old lady said there about we need to pass overwhelming numbers of jobs <laughs> that that's impossible. You can't even do that yet. You say that. And I know all these different. Yes. Yes. We, we need to do that. They would. And they're smart. They're not dumb people. They have degrees. They go to work. They raise families. They're not stupid people, but they believe that. And it's not even possible. So um, it, it's the majority, Steve. And I, I'm, Utterly confident. Of 30 that.
1: seconds, Aaron. How many Democrats, you know, believe, really agree with what
3: she said there? Uh, the, uh, pretty much all of them. Pretty much all of them.
2: Shannon, you live in New York
1: State, pretty Democratic stronghold state. How many Democrats, you know, really agree with what she just said there?
0: Uh, most of them, because it, with progressivism, the collective always trumps the individual. And so if they believe that there is a, a collective win or collective benefit, then they will always crush the liberties and the freedoms of individuals. So- uh, absolutely, the majority. Um, you know, Nancy Pelosi. It's it's amazing how occasionally you can see the mask just come off and they reveal themselves. But what what Todd was saying about how utterly inane her statements are. She couldn't even put together coherent statements. It really it, it strikes me at what a lost opportunity this is for conservatism and for the Republican Party. Yes, they are sitting ducks. They're idiots. They can't. It's. I mean, if we had a sane coherent Republican party with a shred of decency, we could wipe the floor with these guys. And it just, it's, it's such a a wasted opportunity, but, uh, they mean it. They mean business.
1: Exit question. If the average American's desire for this kind of coercive government that Nancy Pelosi just described, if the average American's desire for that kind of coercive government were an Eagles song, which Eagles song would it be? A peaceful, easy feeling, meaning they're totally down with it. B already gone, which means they've they've already embraced it. We're having an argument that ended a long time ago. Or C the long run. We're we're not we're not at that place yet where that's mainstream in most of America. Aaron,
3: Uh that's got to be A. That's an easy A.
2: Hmm. Mm. Todd, oh, I think it's worse. It's already gone.
1: Already gone.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You guys are you guys catching me trying to be optimistic again?
3: Shannon, yes. yeah,
1: Shannon. What do you think?
0: It's a peaceful easy feeling.
1: Meaning if it if it if it gives me what I want then uh I'm down with the clown. Is that kind of what yeah. you're saying?
0: There's not a lot of urgency right now in the American uh populace where we're fat and happy and I think that it is going to take I mean there's going to have to something's going to have to happen to upset upset the status quo, the balance of um you know how things have been in order I think for Americans to really wake up and realize that we're we're in peril right now. Our liberty, uh, our constitution, our um, freedoms are definitely in peril. We have to wake up.
1: All right. When we come back here, next two topics we're going to address on the day's group this week. A. Lindsey Graham is still at it, still at it. We're going to talk about the Lindsey Graham scam and some some. I thought I found them troubling comments from Chief Justice John Roberts. We'll talk about that and more when we return here on the day's group. Oh, All right, back here on the Steve Day Show, live on The Blaze, on demand on CRTV. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast edition of this as well on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. And if you do, please leave us, if you like what we do, a five star review. We appreciate those because they help other people take a look at what we're doing as well. That really helps us to grow the show. If you don't like us, don't lie, but maybe just keep that on the down low. And uh, click subscribe if you haven't done that yet either at your podcasting platform of choice. Thank you to all of you that have done so let's continue on with the day's group let's get to issue three the lindsey graham scam
3: lindsey graham has fashioned himself into new conservative hero after his viral moments at the kavanaugh hearing
0: this is the most unethical sham since i've been in politics and if you really wanted to know the truth you sure as hell wouldn't have done what you've done to this guy
3: then there were these moments. Some if he would of you. Say a so
0: it would all be uh, over, yeah, Senator so why don't
3: we dunk him he in water and see if he while, floats?
4: Yeah, your white yeah. yeah uh, please we move are to South Carolina. <laughs> out of I hope you come. Oh, <laughs> you'd be Clement welcome in South Carolina.
3: Believe- if you don't like me working with President Trump to make the world a better place, I don't give a. And while still being praised by conservative media as being the new conservative hero, he's gone back to being Gramnesty, Well. He didn't really go back because he never really changed. Well, the house a a B and a half for the wall. I
0: mean, excuse me, five B. And the Senate has a B and a half. We'll close the gap. Uh, DACA. Remember that six hundred ninety thousand kids brought here on the average age of six, no place else to go. Trump's going to win in court. He can repeal DACA the day he wins in court. What do we do with these uh, young people? So I'd like to do a deal: full wall funding for DACA. It,
1: by the way, it's. It's going to be over 2 million. It's not 690,000. We just had this conversation in May, remember? And remember the the, the Republicans, Trump offered the, the Democrats who said they wanted all 690,000 along with Gramnesty given amnesty and the Trump offered them 2 million more than three times what they asked for. And then the Democrats said, well, actually we want amnesty, uh, all the amnesty and shut the government down. You guys remember this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So whatever, when, whatever the Gramnesties of the world are giving you guys numbers on amnesty, There's a multiplier effect. There's a handicap. All right, So multiply it by two or three to get to the true number. But first question here. Some of us are calling this Lindsey Graham version 2.0 or the new conservative hero, as Aaron just alluded to. I I think this is a scam. And I think Lindsey Graham has figured out, particularly with a primary next year, and, and when he had a primary in 2014, five candidates lined up to challenge him in South Carolina. So with a, with a primary potentially next year, I think he's figured out that if he goes on Fox News or if he creates these viral moments where he just, uh, he's looked at his fellow South Carolinian, Trey Gowdy was masterful at this. Let me just pull Hillary Clinton's pantsuit down on Benghazi and then I can vote with John Boehner and the Rhinos and nobody will, will realize that that's who I am. I think Lindsey Graham has figured out if I just give conservative media the clickbait it wants with these viral moments, then it will, it will not criticize me whatsoever for voting like Chuck Schumer. I don't buy any of this whatsoever. And, and I, 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 at first I was willing to give him some credit that maybe he was just upset that his buddy Brett Kavanaugh and Senate decorum was being blown up and he was legitimately upset about that. But now that he's continuing to just go to this card like on every issue, Iran, he, he, he injected himself into the Elizabeth Warren thing. He's just, he's just spraying buckshot now. Comprehensively, I think this guy's a really good politician. And I think he's figured out that if he just, you know, if he owns the libs, then you guys won't care that he votes like the libs. Todd, tell me I'm wrong.
2: You're not wrong, but you and I have shared a, mild disagreements on the path. it's you're not wrong but here's the thing is what you often say and i'm not sure what is it hate, hate the game not the player mm-hmm. i can't remember where that's yeah. from from Snoop Dogg uh, from where Snoop i get Dogg. most of my good material well yeah. listen yeah uh, what we it, yeah it's a scam but why is a scam so easy for a guy like lindsay who you regularly talk on this very show when shannon shows up you regularly talk about his low t levels why can he pull this off because we have a total absence (laughs) of real men that's the problem to be fair
1: i don't just discuss lindsey graham's low t levels with shannon (laughs) i discuss them with much of america i just want to state that for the record
2: fair enough anyway go ahead but that's why it's possible anybody can stand up we're waiting. Get in line. Do it, dudes. Come on, be it. It's 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 everybody else's fault that a guy like Lindsey can step in like this. And 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 as it applies uh, to the to wall versus DACA, hey, uh, I mean, the, there's all kinds of Republicans. He he knows he, that would jump all over that. But it's like when I said earlier uh, this week in introducing you um, to um, all of our various uh, philosophies uh, that we use to govern our show on the issue of abortion. When I talk to Somebody who instantly wants to come out with rape instance or health and mother, I tell them, OK, I'll give you those that one, two, three percent, whatever it is. You give me the rest. And instantly the conversation is over because it's not really about those wedge issues. Lindsey Graham knows politically that he can get a bunch of Republicans in on that wall for DACA. They'll they'll take the. Doc- but what he'll also see, Steve, is the Democrats they don't want the wall under any circumstances you can give them a million and i don't think they'll jump for it if it's in the wall because of how broken they are so that guy is playing all the dummies like a fiddle i I, listen i he's he is a scam but a scam is possible when he is surrounded by a bunch of damn rubes on the left and the right i think that's the bigger picture what do you think shannon
0: I think the problem right now is within conservative media. And so if you don't have the, the conservative movement, they know what they believe, they they are aware of, of where their principles lie. And right now, because we have Trump mania, uh, Trump derangement syndrome on both sides of the aisle, the American people really aren't getting the truth. And so Lindsey Graham can get away with this. He loves it, by the way. I think it's the manliest that he's ever felt in his whole life saying swear words on CNN. And I mean, this guy is going, it's literally like
1: watching a 13 year old boy's testicle drop in real time. Yeah. And I
3: love that. Yeah.
0: He's, he's loving this and um, he's going to continue doing this because he can get away with it. He can get away with it because the conservative movement is being lied to by what I call the big talkers in the faux conservative media. And I'll name some of the big ones, but Fox News and Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, they are a conservative movement completely divorced from discernible policy outcomes. So rhetoric trumps everything, policy doesn't matter. And this is why we will get amnesty, in the same way we've gotten more gun laws with this president and this Republican Congress, we've gotten a larger growth in government with this president and this Republican Congress, we will get amnesty, and it will probably happen on, you know, midnight on December 24th, and it will be cheered, or or if it's not cheered, it'll be completely... Uh, glossed over by conservative media and republicans won't even really know about it until it's already set in. And so that's the really uh, um, dangerous nature of politics today is that the movement that has the power behind it, those of us who can make phone calls, who could call our representatives, who can hold these people accountable, believe me. They're going to they would tweet Trump, they would uh, they would go out and, they don't and act if they knew, yep. but they don't know because yep. conservative media is completely broken.
1: That's why one of the chapters of my next book, Truth Bombs, is, think you get a to primary all these progressive Republicans like Ramnesty. If you ain't got Fox, Drudge, and Rush, you ain't got nothing. I don't care what else you have. I don't care how good a candidate you have. I don't care how much money you raised. If you ain't got Fox, Drudge, and Rush, you ain't got nothing because that's where our base hears most of their news. Aaron.
3: Yeah, I just want to say I, I like how Shannon said uh, this is probably the manliest Lindsey Graham has ever felt. Not necessarily is, but he's ever felt, and feelings feelings are what matters the most. As far as the, the media uh, environment surrounding, I mean, we had Bill Cassidy, who's down to clown with Obamacare, walking by and just totally owning some protester. Uh, Last week, and he was the new conservative hero, Mark, as well. So I I think we're back to the chicken and egg thing um, with media and conservative media and its consumers. Does conservative media serve up this type of treatment of progressive rhinos like Graham and uh, others? Bill Cassidy, it was last week. Do they serve it up because they know that's what their audience wants? Or does the audience like this because um, it's all they get it's all they get? Yeah. this is, this is, this is the big problem. and I, I tend to I, I tend to lean towards the, uh, the former, um, kind of like Shannon, although I do think I, I do think it's a little bit more 55, 45, 60, 40, um, m- rather than most of the blame being on media. because media, the way it's devised right now, we got to have clicks. we all have to have clicks. Um, and these things that titillate like these, these, these great sound bites from Trey Gowdy and, and Lindsey Graham losing it on CNN, those are what generate the most clicks because those are the, those are the things that are fun to, to, to watch and to listen to. and they they are easy to write, you know, you know, one line headlines about. They are easily digestible, makes it feel good. It's just like a little cigarette um, you know through the day. So of course, I think it's just I, I think this is really just a conversation. About human nature, yes, as, as far as as it goes, it's less of a conversation about what you know, what conservative media is or is not doing. Conservative media, er, uh, I'm sorry, human nature just wants the easy fix. They yep. just want the easy fix, and that's so. I have become exa- comfortably, comfortably numb. numb. Exactly. Is anybody okay. is anybody well, in there? There's. Yes. That's um. And this is one more one more thing as well. We have to understand that in conservative media guess who is working in conservative media? Human beings who also have what? Human nature. So, of course, they're going to go after this stuff as well because I think they like it and they know that they'll get rewarded in a different way, maybe in the same way, but in a different way than the people actually consuming the media. Todd, you have the last word. I just
2: want to echo your point. Uh, uh, Wally is one of the most underrated Disney Pixar movies. It is outstanding. And I just want to echo, Aaron is painting. We are already the the fat barge out in space. That Mm -hmm. is who we are right now. Yeah. I,
1: You know, we had this debate with Daniel and I had this debate all this year about does our movement, do our our consumers want steak or Cheez-Its? Do they, do they want steak, but we only serve them Cheez-Its. And so that's what they're willing to eat. Or would they eat the steak if we want? And I just think most people prefer Cheez-Its comprehensively in general, but Um, I had this conversation with some folks down at the blaze when I was down in uh, Arlington last week, as we got ready to launch this new joint venture. While I think the, the pie of people that just want to own the libs is this big, massive 90% of our industry is trying to take a bite out of that pie. Okay. Now I think the pie over here of people who want substance is far smaller, but there's really only a few people over here competing for space. There, us, the blaze, Uh, And when I say us, we still work full-time for CRTV. So CRTV, The Blaze, The Daily Wire, and a few others are really the only ones that are over here competing in this space. And so just from a marketing perspective, I'd rather be one of the five companies competing for a medium-sized pie than one of the 10,000 companies competing for the supersized pie. Because, I mean, would you rather have... A, you know, a third of a medium or a sixteenth of a massive. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, sure. And so I, I, I kind of view as what we are doing here as counter programming within our own movement of counter programming. Exit question: Who will have a higher liberty score in the U.S. Senate over the next two years? Will it be Lindsey Graham or Mitt Romney? Shannon,
0: it's obviously going to be Lindsey Graham. He is owning all of this. He's he's into it. He's going to eat the Chick Fil A. He'll probably speak in tongues by the end of all of this. Mitt Romney's a little too buttoned up and I don't think he could really go that far, but Graham, man, he's all in. He's all in. So he's going to, he's going to win out.
1: Holy sure. crap. Shannon said we have reached a limit of shamelessness etch-a-sketching that not yeah. even who Mitt Romney's own campaign manager, Eric Fenstrom, described as candidate as an etch-a-sketch. We have re- we have, we have plummeted to a level of, of undignified etch-a-sketching that not even Mitt Romney is willing to succumb to. We've hit, a new version of rock bottom. What's your answer, Todd?
2: What's his current Liberty score?
1: Graham's is... I'm just talking the next two years. No, I know, but what is it Right currently? now, it's
2: 34%. I believe Graham can win this battle. All right. I believe he can, Because he would go out and eat the chicken sandwich and eat smile. He said, this is delicious.
1: He right. would.
3: What do you think, Aaron? Uh, I think the correct answer to this, um, this quandary is no. That, Aaron is correct.
1: <laughs> yes, Aaron is correct. Shannon, th- that was the false binary choice to reject was that one right there. All right, issue four, One Nation.
3: United States Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts was in Minneapolis recently where he said this. Before we go onto the bench to hear argument in the case, and before we go into the conference room to discuss a case, we pause for a moment and shake each other's hand. It's a small thing perhaps, but is it is a repeated reminder that, as our newest colleague put it, We do not sit on opposite sides of an aisle. We do not caucus in separate rooms. We do not serve one party or one interest. We serve one nation. And I want to assure all of you that we will continue to do that to the best of our abilities, whether times are calm or contentious.
1: So this troubled me, and I'm wondering if it shouldn't. All right? So, Todd, I'm going to go to you first. I'm going to take myself out of this equation and ask you this question. What do you think the founding fathers would say to John Roberts in response to that clip?
2: Uh, I think you'll like this. You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was troubled. This this really bugs me. Uh, I... My I and personally, I have a some experience just within the last couple of weeks of having to call uh, Horse Pucky on some some people. Gave me, well, I, don't call our m- motives, uh, you know, into uh, account because we're we're here for the children. We're we're volunteers. We're doing no, you're you're doing a terrible job, and I can demonstrate for you that you're not for the children. So I'm not dealing with that. That is nonsense, and it is it is the very, I mean. And you don't know on any given day, you know exactly what the equation is, and how much of him believes that, and how much of him knows it's all uh, winking and nodding and laughing. Uh, I, I don't. I don't need to know exactly what this is, but that that is really at the core of what is wrong, not just with the courts, but so much of uh, who we are um, as a people, right? Of center again. This is a guy appointed uh, by Bush. You you can't believe that and be something called a conservative because we've just gotten done talking for days about one of the fundamental reasons we are conservatives as we is because we ultimately understand that people aren't basically good. And if you have to sum up everything, and says, oh, we're just shiny, happy people." Wait, this is a team. We really believe that we're. Go, going for it together for the best in human when all of the major decisions that focus on the fundamentals of who we are as a people are these ridiculous 5-4 decisions by their very nature show how broken the courts mm-hmm. and thus our culture is i mean really we've talked about a lie a lot of lies on the show today that takes second to none. In other words, it's a scam whether he believes it or not.
1: Yes. I Meaning he's he's saying it, if it, he's either saying it to say please don't attack me the way you did Brett Kavanaugh or he's saying it because he actually believes that's what's yeah. going on in his institution.
2: And this is what I'm talking, <clears throat> Lindsey Graham is the freaking prophet Elijah compared to that guy. <laughs> that's yeah. our problem. Yeah. That's why he can step into the void because we have to deal with this garbage so often.
3: Alright, we have three minutes and I still gotta get to predictions, so hot take one on this. Aaron, go. Uh, I, I would say this, this is... What, what we just heard in that clip is the implication, if that's a word, the impli- uh, he's implying there. He understands how much power he and the rest of the courts wield. I didn't say possess. I didn't say have. Yeah. There's a difference Claim. between yeah. pos- uh, possessing and wielding. Yeah. And that's what he is implying there. That is incredibly dangerous, but we already knew that. Shannon, quickly, go.
0: Yeah, I think that he was displaying the nature of the progressive, which is uh, God King. And it is the belief that they know better about how Americans should live their lives. And it is indicative of the larger problem, the consolidation of power within Washington, D.C. The founders would have already thrown the tea in the harbor. They would be they would have the Declaration of Independence drafted and we'd be revolting at this point. So uh, we have come really far. We're in dangerous times.
1: Exit question. On a scale of 1 to 10, with 1 being Total Nothing Burger and 10 being a Thomas Sowell essay, how confident are you in the makeup of the court now that we have five GOP nominees compared to four for the Democrats? Just give me a number, Todd.
2: Three.
1: Shannon.
0: Three.
1: Aaron. It's three. Hmm. All right. Predictions quickly. Mine. Mueller's next round of indictments it come will come right after the election before Thanksgiving Todd go those
2: poor old ladies at the polling stations this November aren't going to be enough because there's going to be a level of criminal malfeasance we haven't seen in a while Shannon
0: well my prediction was uh, the the Christmas surprise and the passage of Amnesty 2.0 on December 24th
3: Mm. Aaron Uh, Chiefs-Pats AFC Championship game
1: Shannon good to see you thanks for joining us this week here on the Blaze and CRTV and uh, we'll do it again sometime soon okay take care All right, we come back with hour number two, Feedback Friday. We'll respond to your responses. Stay tuned. All right, let's get to it. Hour two of the Steve Dace Show here live on The Blaze, on demand on CRTV. And we are underway, Steve Dace, here along with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre. Don't forget, we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And since it's our final hour on a Friday, the tradition continues. It's time we get to some of the feedback that you have sent us as of late. With a feedback Friday, and we have a little bit of everything. And when I say a little bit of everything, gentlemen, I mean a little bit
3: of everything. I need to go now.
2: (laughs) Are you ready to go? You ready? With that lead in, I'm not sure, but let's do it. Buckle
1: up. All right, so let's start. This note comes from Will, who says, I've been struggling with this notion for quite some time. Is the idea, so we're going to get theology, politics, philosophy, uh, personal critiques of Aaron. We're going to touch on everything uh, this week, all right? Because I know Aaron Aaron loves constructive criticism. He's always asking me for more of it. I <laughs> eat it up. Yum. I mean, as I was leaving yesterday, I was like, can you throw in, Can is there is there nobody criticizing my work right now? I mean, I, I could I could use a little bit more of an evaluation. Could you throw some of that in to, next, uh, to tomorrow's Feedback Friday? So Aaron, I'm doing you a solid here in a little bit, so be on the lookout for it. You ready? Thanks, boss. You Thanks. got it. Thanks. So Will says, I've been struggling with this notion for quite some time. Is the idea of repentance contrary to God's grace? I sure as heck deserve nothing, but temporal and eternal punishment. I am a sinner. It is unfathomable that anything I can do can lead to my salvation. Yet Jesus himself told us to repent. I'm certain it is only because I hear it every day from you on your show that I'm even thinking about some of these notions. So I think that, you know what? I'm not going to answer this question yet. I'm going to find out what you guys think about this first, all right? Because I, I think Will is, is succumbing to a false
3: choice. But, but Aaron, I'm going to start with you yeah. first. Can you what repeat you think? the false choice again?
1: The false choice that being called to repentance is contrary to God's grace because he feels like he is earning his salvation by asking for forgiveness.
3: Um, yes. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure I was understanding that. Uh, correctly, um, the repentance is a response to God's grace. Yes, not because of God's grace or to, uh, it, I'm sorry, it's in the wrong order. It's a response to God's grace, what He has already done for you. It's not something that you do before you earn, you get God's grace uh, at all. God's grace is there, and it, it always will be there until He comes home, uh, comes and calls us home, or comes back. Uh, to take us all home and it always will be forever and always it will there it'll be there for us i mean that's that's not a question so we have to be very i think we have to be very careful when we when we talk about things like this um but at this but again the the order is god's grace is always there and when we recognize that and when the holy spirit convicts us of sin in our life then our response should be to that, not to earn God's grace, but in light of God's grace, to repent of that sin, so that we can be restored into a right relationship with our Maker.
2: I really don't mean what I'm going to say to be snotty. <laughs> so this this that falls... always
1: means he's about to be snotty. I, I think
2: this is the Catholic. in mean, this is this falls under the heading of, and many Catholics throughout history are guilty of this, but. How... How many angels dance on the head of a pin? By being too hyper-literal with our faith, I think we fall in to these questions that really aren't complicated at all. There's a reason Christ says be like children, and there's a reason he speaks to us in parables with real-world situations, because I think he knew (laughs) that— At our worst, we, we one, he calls
1: us sheep a lot, and they're about the yeah, dumbest mammals in the animal yeah. kingdom, right?
2: One way we would go do is try to take something that's really kind of one plus one equals two and turn it into some kind of calculus. This is not, this is not it. I, but think about uh, the relationships that the the Lord has used within Scripture to explain Himself to you. He is, as Steve just said uh, this week. Uh, and I I won't uh, try to do it better than he did, but God is fundamentally about relationship. He is not some static physical equation. He is responsible for how the things... the great uh motion well, he, the unmoved mover how that comes into play, but that's not him. he is fundamentally love he is relationship and it, it that that's not just poetry that is metaphysics it is actually who he is so it, it is the formula y- y- yes yes yeah. so it makes it, it it when you think about it like that I, it's not even stuff like this isn't even complicated for me at all I mean, you there's it's impossible within a relationship to sit there statically uh, with and receive divine grace without. Humility, a de- an unrelenting desire for repentance. That Steve yet uh, he hasn't done it yet on his show, but he said it many times on the various versions of his show. On what happened to him when he felt lifted out of his seat, when he felt the full love of God flood over him. So uh, this, is, I just think it's way too sterile the way you're thinking about this. You've got to let love run over you, and then it's there. Boom.
1: Let me let me give two. Examples of what Todd and Aaron are talking about. One is very practical, but the practical one will lead into the one that is explicitly right out of the scriptures. All right. Your child turns 16. Out of love for her or him, you have chosen to buy them their first car. All right. So who's taking the who's initiating the relationship here? Who's initiating? First of all, can a child be born by itself? No. No. All right, so, so you as the parent have already initiated the relationship by creating this being, right? So the initiation, the child doesn't initiate its own conception. The parent initiates the relationship by creating the conception. So you've already done that as the father. You then take the initiative again to purchase the vehicle. Does the child have the means, like does have, in this case, the child does not have the means to purchase this vehicle
2: on its own. You have to do it for them. Nor did it have the means to do all the things to be the the good student. You gave them right. the house over their head, right. the clothes they never had. Because to if worry, you don't you... even
1: initiate the initial conception, right. they don't they don't have the opportunity to use any of yeah. those opportunities that you just talked everything about. in
2: between you gave everything
1: them. you've initiated everything. Yes. Right? You then initiate to buying the car on their birthday. You then initiate so you're you are the sovereign, the initiator. You are handing them the keys, and you know what. By the way, I'm going to give a little tip of the cap to your tribe. The analogy I'm using right now, okay, I didn't come up with this one. I actually got this listening one night to Catholic Answers, because I actually like to hear what people don't agree with me think about things, all right? And so I was listening to a Catholic explanation of the sovereignty of God. And that's this analogy that I'm going to use was the woman that was on the show This was the analogy she used. And you can't do
2: better within Catholic apologetics than Catholic answers. For the kind of a populist approach, it's outstanding.
1: So the father has initiated in the conception. The child could not even be born without a conception, right? So the dad's initiated in the conception. The father has initiated in purchasing the vehicle, which the child didn't have the means and opportunity to do on their own. First of all, they're 16. They're not of age. They can't even enter into a contract, right? Okay. So again, who's taking all the initiative here? all of the initiative is being taken by who the parent, the parent, the father, the father then hands the keys to the child and says, I bought this car. Therefore I have alone have the power to give it to you because I own it and I'm handing it to you. And then, so again, at every level of this relationship, the initiator is the father, the father hands, the child, the car or the keys and says, the car belongs to you. Now, does the car belong to the child? Yes. Because the, one that, the only one that had the power to grant the car has done so. The car belongs to the child. But if the child never takes the keys, puts them in the ignition, and drives the, key, the car out of the garage, is the car theirs? It's been granted to them. But have they, have they, have they accepted what has been given to them? Correct. The answer is no. Until they, until they take the responsive, not the initiation. All the initiation's been done by the Father. He did the conception. He did the gift giving. In other words, the bestowing. He granted the permission to use the gift. All the initiative has been given by the Father. There now needs to be a responsive, not an initiation. It wasn't, well, you know, of my own free will, I accepted this car and that's what made it mine. No, 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 no. You can't do this on your own. You can't enter into the contract. You can't be born on your own. You can't enter into the contract on your own. You, you, you and, and, and even though the law, the civil law says you can get a license at 16, you have to be on your parents' insurance by law as well, which means they that's another act of permission, another act of initiative the father must grant you before you can be responsive. You're the responder. You're never the initiator. So to sum up, everything is grace. Everything is grace. And then you then have to still respond. If you don't respond,
2: then you have rejected that which was given to you. That sounds like a relationship.
1: Yes, it does. And you know where you see a perfect biblical portrait of this is in the Old Testament. God says to his people, Israel, I have given you the land. This is your country, your nation, you're going to be my urban renewal program. Do what I say. Worship me the way I want. Live by my law, which is to your benefit anyway. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling you not to do the things that are bad for you and to do the things that are good for you. Again, real oppression's happening here, real tyranny. Don't do bad stuff. That's my law. Don't do bad stuff. So do the good stuff that I'm showing you is good. Don't do the bad stuff that I'm telling you and showing you is bad. And you're going to watch me drive these seven nations that have lived in this land for hundreds, if not thousands of years before you arrived on the scene, before Abraham came out of Ur. I'm going to drive these people miraculously I'm going to use you as my instruments. We're going to have an ultimate urban renewal plan here. We're hitting Control All Delete. We're driving all these infidels, all these idolaters, all these child human sacrificing pagans out of here, and I'm giving you their land. But you have to respond to me, and they fail the first response test. They get the spies together from all the twelve tribes. Like, well, let's go in there and scout this place out. Make sure. That the God we just saw as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, and and we just saw we just saw part the sea, and we just saw a fetus with this honey wafer manna that just literally fell from the freaking sky. And, they, and they just and when we complained and wanted meat, suddenly quails just showed up, herds of them. All the things we had just seen. Wait, wait, let's just make sure we're seeing what we thought we've seen all this time. So they send these spies into the land, and all of them, but. To come back and say, these guys are too big, too fortified, too much military. We can't win. It was given to them. They refused to accept it. All the initiative had been taken. All the initiative. Who initiated the relationship with Abraham when he was Abram? Who initiated it? Did Abram get up one day and say, no. you know, I just, I'm just really tired of these idols. I wonder if there's an unknown God. Who initiated the relationship? It was God. God. And then Moses, you know, was like, you know, this shepherd thing, I really liked being in Pharaoh's palace a lot more. I wish I could contrive a way to get back there. And so, you know, hey, hey, is there i am just, I'm just guessing here. Is there a Jehovah out there? No. Who initiated with Moses? God. That would God. be God. Yeah. Who initiated everything. Everything. Who initiated always. Always. Who initiates? God. God is always the initiator. You're never the initiator. Your repentance will— did not cause your salvation. Your repentance is in response to the call of salvation that was already initiated towards you.
2: And in Abraham's case, because of that reaction, he attributes it to God. Attributes it to him as. Yes. See, that's the thing. You said do, is right. Do you have to? Uh, is or how did the way you phrase it is righteousness a an actual. Res- Legitimate no, it's repentance—an right. actual legitimate response. I like the you actually you used the word "have to" before. I think that's exactly right. Of course, you you the, part of this cosmic equation is yes, you have to respond. I said this out loud once, Steve. I can't remember if we said it on air or, or not. But one fascinating thing about the story of Abraham, Moses is different. But I always wondered if Abraham was ultimately chosen because he actually did that. He was like he was kind of down with this thing. I mean, he was confused about it, but he reacted. I wonder, and I say, we're not certain within scripture, if, if Abraham's the only one that God, reached out to the only people. If there was if there were some other people and they and they, they went the cheap grace route, Steve, perhaps. And we may never know. We may never know and I don't think we have to know, but I'm simply saying, uh it, it, I think we're talking about cheap grace
1: here, aren't yes, we? Yes. It's similar to the story of Esther. All right? So Esther is the only book of the Bible the word that God's never mentioned by name. All right? So if let's say let's say Esther's uncle comes to her and says, you know, um you need, to, you need to go to Xerxes. You need to go to your husband, basically, and lobby for the Jews. And, and let's say Esther's like, well, I don't want to do that. It'll risk my life. And the last queen that butted her nose in the business is why I'm the queen now, because she got beheaded and I'm not going out like that. And I'm, I, th- is that where God says, crap. You know I had this whole messianic line plan, all this whole thing set up for what thousands of do? years, and, and Esther's going to say, she's not going to do what I called her to do, so I guess, I guess the, the Torah just kind of stops here in midstream, and we just yeah, you know, we just kind of, you know have a plan B meeting up here in eternity here, you know, at three o'clock today, gather all the heavenly hosts, and let's figure out what the backup plan is. Is that how this works? No nah. No, that's not how it works. It's called the book of Esther. Because yeah, what, what, what does her uncle say to her? If you will not do what God called you to do, salvation will come to the Jews by another means. Because the, the, the salvation of the Jewish people, the maintaining of the Messianic line, is not up to Esther. Esther's response to God's initiating call is what is up to Esther. And to go to what you just said, if Esther had not answered the question then we would have read the book of Lois. That's right. We'd have the book of Penelope. See. We'd have the book of Penny. We'd have the book of Julie. We'd have the book of Hannah. Whoever, we'd have, the, the, the sovereignty of, God. see, we can't want to sit around and argue that did, 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 did I choose my own salvation yeah. or did, did God play point, duck, ma'am. duck, Dan with people's souls? This is uh, my th- point. Th- th- it's, it's, that's, that's the head on the pins thing. You have it all wrong. Jesus sits in the garden of Gethsemane And doesn't pray for his free will. He prays for God's will. When Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, thy will done on earth as it is in heaven, he teaches them to pray for God's will. We sit around here like roving, marauding bands of, of Lint in the Naval teenagers in our theological camps, figuring out how much of this do we get credit for? How much of this did we choose? Right. How, how creative do I need to be to sell you on the gospel to get you to choose to follow Jesus? Or maybe because God just does everything, I don't have to do anything. I just sit around and everything's up to God. That is all lint in the Naval for losers, man. Losers. Here, here's here, every, The only reason, Will, You have something to repent for, or better yet, to repent to is because God took the initiative to create you, took the initiative to send you a Savior. If he had not taken the initiative in every single one of these instances, well, there's no point in even having this conversation. And so your salvation, will you had nothing to do with it. You are simply, he is handing you the keys to the car.
3: And you know what everybody's response right now? Including will, mine, you, everybody who claims the name of Jesus should be to what Steve just said, hollow freaking you, Louia. Yeah, yeah. That is what our response should be to that. I think he's confused and I, it's totally understandable
2: because all of us have that in our faith. What total surrender to the will and love of God should look and feel like. Yes. I mean, because it's, a, it, it's in your British accent, it's a mind scrambler. It's a
1: mind scrambler. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's not about whether you have free will. It, that's, those are loser arguments. It's about whether you have the freedom and power in your life to live God's will. And then whether you are faithful enough to follow through. And the only reason you even have those options, I wouldn't even call them choices. I would say options. The only reason you even have those options is because God sovereignly initiated to change human history to give you those options. And that, because You want to be freed from your will. This is so I I affirmatively cited Catholic answers. This is now where the Catholic is probably going to agree with Luther. We have bondage to our own will. The will is our bondage. This is what Paul talks about in Romans 7. The good I want to do, I don't. The evil I don't want to do, I do, or I do. Okay. We are we are slaves to this duality. We want to be freed of this. We don't we 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 don't We want freedom redefined. The American mindset is that, you know, I get to have it my way, Burger King. I get everything on demand. The biblical mindset is, I am free to no longer be a slave to the wrong thing, but instead to devote my life to the right one. That's how freedom is defined in the biblical world. Not that you're free to choose good and evil like the force in Star Wars, but that you're free to walk away from evil because of the grace that God has initiated in your life. And that is, now that's, a, that's challenging to the American utilitarian mindset. It wasn't challenging to the American mindset 300 years ago, but in a post-Darwinian era of utilitarian ethics, and the way we've all been worked over by self-esteem and progressive education, you know, the biggest difference, you want to know what the biggest difference is between the generation that founded the country and the generation we live in today? I'll tell you what the biggest difference is. They weren't any less sinful than us. Alexander Hamilton was an adulterer.
2: Thomas Jefferson was.
1: There's evidence. There's, there's some evidence that he was. Some people want to doubt it. What we won't doubt is he was a slave owner. Think about the fact Thomas Jefferson literally wrote the words, all men are created equal, then went home to his slaves. These men weren't any less sinful than us. They had less machinations at their disposal to act on their sinfulness than we do today. But at their core, were they any less sinful than us? No. No. See, the biggest difference between that generation and this one is the generation that founded the country, the, the existential debate of the age was how much was a sovereign God directly involved in the affairs of men? Was, God a, was, God, was it the deist God where he's the kid with the anthill? that he just created this circumstance habitat and then just sits around observing it passively while the ants scurry about purposelessness or purposely. Um, is God directly intervening? Is the, is the hand of God directly intervening now or did he only do that at Calvary? That was the, those were the debates they had. The debates they had were how much directly involved in the affairs of men is a sovereign God. The debate we have today, both in and out of the church, is how much are we the sovereign over God. And that's the difference. One, one debate will help sinful people. See, we look at Thomas Jefferson as a hypocrite for writing, all men are created equal and then going home to his... His, 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 his slaves you, We actually Because we're looking at it Through our post-Darwinian mind It's actually backwards It's actually backwards A man as broken And sinful as Thomas Jefferson could still essentially cosmically reach for the stars when he thought outside of himself because of the different polarity of the culture Amen. of the age. Amen. It wasn't Thomas Jefferson being a hypocrite. It was Thomas Jefferson rising above his own sinful nature because of the cultural influences that surrounded him. We don't have those cultural influences today. We, we encourage one another. To remain right in the base nature we have and then drag God down into the muck and mire with us. They lived in an era where they believed God encouraged them to come out of the muck and mire closer to him. That's the difference. It's not that they're any more or less sinful than us. It's that they were influenced to be less sinful than they already were. We are encouraged in the exact opposite way in our day and age. And all the smartest, richest, brightest, shiniest, happy people, lifestyles of the rich and famous champagne wishes and caviar dreams, all of that encourages us to sink lower, not to aim higher. That's the difference, man. And another
2: president who came a little time after the founding fathers but is largely argued as perhaps the greatest president of all time And dealing with one of our uh, toughest periods in American history kind of summed up what you said. Uh, It's not so much that I hope God is on my side, but I hope that I am on his Yes.
1: What the tribalism in our, in our culture is doing right now is they're both asserting God is on their side. We aren't pro-life because God is on the side of pro-life. Okay? Uh, or God is not on our side because we're pro-life. We're pro-life because God is on the side of life. We have it backwards. And then the other side says the same thing. That's why they, for welfare state programs and everything else, everybody, we, most people on both sides of this, God is the prop.
3: We, we Yeah, God is, God is Loki getting beat up by the Hulk. I mean, that is, that is what, what we're essentially making God out to be, uh, what I hear from this conversation. And the Hulk says, puny God, that's what we're doing.
1: Yes, because ultimately we want to be God. And so, you know, on the right, we want the God who tells us that abortion is bad, homosexuality is bad, but materialism and selfishness is totally cool. That's what we want on the right. And on the left, we want the God who tells us materialist, materialism and selfishness is bad, uh, but, as, but um, as long as you aren't materialistic and selfish, you can make up for your abortion sacrament and your sexual deviancy. That's what we want. We, we want the accoutrements that appeal to us. We, we want to walk to an a la carte menu and pick and choose. That's what we want. And that goes to the conversation we had yesterday. Ye be like God. That's that's really what we want. That's that's all of this right now. That and that's the, That's why one generation produced a culture where a hedonistic heathen like Benjamin Franklin can stand up in the midst of the greatest debate of the age in the era and say, "You know, guys, I'm not a really religious guy, and I, you know, I've been." 75 years late in accepting the grace of God in my life, but if I've learned one thing in my old age, it is this. If his eye is on the sparrow, a new empire is not going to rise without the aid of providence. And I think maybe we need to take a break here from our opinions and our tribalistic wrangling and maybe we need to break for some fasting and prayer so that the Lord of Lights maybe would illuminate this situation and bring some grace to bear. See, what happens now is our, is we take our our brilliant hedonists like Benjamin Franklin and we tell them, hey, leave the brilliance at home, just bring the hedonism. Because the hedonism is the brilliance. See where I'm going? Mm-hmm. That's what we do today. In their era, they were in their era, because of the way they viewed the role of God and their place in that society, they were able to have hedonistic, terrible people do great things. In our culture, what we do is we say, well, if you're hedonistic and terrible, but you can do great things for me, then you're on the side of God. That's what we do today. And so what happens is Trump can wave, Trump is out at his rallies waving rainbow flags. And the Democrats are out there saying this is the most anti-LGBT president we've ever had. And we all know that's not true. And then, we, we, have, we have the largest growth of government than we've ever had, even under Obama, right now. We have the biggest government we have ever had. And yet, on the right, we're telling each other, you know, if we don't vote Republican again, this is, I'm going to go bankrupt, and we can't afford this welfare state. We're just lying to each other because of the, the tribalism. So nowadays, if you do great things for me, then you're on the side of God when before it was you could be a terrible person, but still do great things for God and God would bless that. Now it is, if you are a terrible person and you do great things for me, God will bless that. That's, that's why we, that's why we bastardize the King David example all the time. We, we don't, we, we think that God blessed King David despite, um, uh, his sinfulness because David was just cool and special. No, God blessed King David in spite of his sinfulness because David, when he was confronted with his sin, would in his repentance say, God is God and I am not. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Your politicians that are, you know, hedonistic today, they don't do that. Instead, we tell them if they if they if they give us a religious freedom order, that, that means that that they're Christians now. That's what we tell them now. That's that's your own religion. That's—you're guilty of the other fake Jesus that we hear from the progressives. You've just made a Jesus up in the debased, you know, bowels of your own mind. And I think that's why we've gone, gentlemen, a long way to confusing people like Will, who just emailed us. Is that kind of what you were alluding to in a minute ago?
2: Yeah, but I thank him for the question, because I always like it when Feedback Friday turns into Theology Thursday.
1: Well, I think that might be our only. Nope, I guess I'm wrong. The next one is going to be a little theological as well. But I got to get to this one that rips Aaron. Otherwise, I'm going to be really disappointed. <laughs> in that. Okay.
3: Okay. Man, what did I do to you, Steve?
1: Speaking of speaking of, um, I, I maybe I should practice more of what I preach. We got to get to this email that that, that rips
2: Aaron. <laughs> There's no greater love than this. Ripping yes. on Aaron in the next segment. <laughs> yes, that's coming up next, Stay tuned.
1: I'm going to call a bit of an audible here as we finish up uh, Feedback Friday, hour two on a Friday here on the Blaze Live CRTV On Demand. We went heavy into some theology in the opening segment. So the next note I was going to respond to was theological as well, but I'm going to table it to next week. Okay? Because there's some other things that I also think there are topics here the audience would appreciate us addressing, and not just so I can get to the one that rips Aaron.
3: I'm, I'm, Although I like, will admit that is a, that, that has like something a, to do with it. It's like one, that book, The Monster at the End of This Book. It's... <laughs> oh, boy.
1: I just wanted to see what Aaron was like on Tilt, because he's always so
3: <laughs> chill, right? Thanks. Checks in the mail. Yeah. Uh,
1: but I think Denise speaks for a lot of people with this note, and she talks about, hey, I love your show. I have... I've emailed my congressman, my governor, my senator. I'm doing whatever I can. um, And ordinary people like me are extremely frustrated. I'd like for my voice to be heard. I'm not smart enough, nor do I have the time to put into being a political activist. I have to work to pay the bills. However, I'd like for my voice to make a difference and not just be dismissed as so often is in the past by a variety of politicians. I become even more frustrated when the people I listen to acknowledge that something needs to be done but offer no solutions. I apologize if you guys have offered solutions in the past. Please direct me to where I can find those solutions. All right, so I think Denise speaks for a lot of people. Um, Number one, I realized when I wrote Rules for Patriots, I I wrote Rules for Patriots, Denise, for people like you back in 2014 to provide – a framework of, of solutions, how we can do what we believe. And we talk about that practicality on our show a lot. Over the last few years, though, I, I came to understand that I, I think that until we are, are willing to admit the truth of where we really are as conservatives, we won't utilize some of the more radical tactics. And when I say radical, I don't mean in tone and temperament. I mean in terms of how they're just a, a total paradigm shift from how you have been encouraged throughout most of conservatism to behave as a conservative. And rules for patriots just flips almost all of that on its ear. It's not it's not it, there's a reason it's called rules for patriots and not how to be a douche canoe. It's not about being a you know a, a it, it's not about being, being a jerk face. It's about being effective in doing what we believe cuz most of the tactics that we deploy are not effective. I mean, look at the election right now. The Republicans right now are arguing for universal health care in the last two weeks of an election. That's the other side's argument. And that's what I mean by the radical nature of the tactics that we are suggesting in Rules for Patriots. Not in tone and temperament, but in effectiveness and in direction. And over the last few years of doing this show, I came to realize, though, that I think too many of us still are not willing to admit where we truly are as a movement. And unless we admit where we are, we won't be in embracing enough of a radical paradigm shift. And so my next book, Truth Bombs, is really the prequel to Rules for Patriots. It really sets the stage for why we believe the current political paradigm, it's impossible for conservatism to be successful in it, no matter who wins elections. And I—and—and and when the book comes out in January, we'll have a lot of conversations about the book here on The Blaze and CRTV. And then we'll probably later next year revisit rules for Patriots in light of this prequel. So there are some solutions, and we talk about solutions all the time. It's just most of our audience wants to believe pulling the lever for Team GOP and owning the libs is a solution, and it's not. Now, I have a little of the same frustration that you have, Denise. I have a, 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 a big platform, but I don't have a huge platform. I don't, I'm not Fox, Drudge, or Rush. Those are, the, those are the entities where the most of our base gets its news. And, and, and if you can't get one of those or all three of those entities to embrace a radical paradigm shift, then there won't be one. No matter how articulate and eloquent we are in articulating what we believe or if somebody comes along who's even better at it than us, which shouldn't be too hard to find, if they don't have ties to those three platforms, you're not going to see a massive paradigm shift. And that's why we also talk about what the ultimate solution is. Without revival, we're doomed. This is a, this is a doomed civilization without a, a reawakening of the kinds of great awakenings that gave birth to liberty in the first place. Is it Is First Corinthians 3.16 I'm thinking of or somewhere around there? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Okay, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's a reason why we had great awakenings and then a revolution. Okay, so we need to have that spiritual awakening in the culture again, and that's is—that's the number one solution. So um, what I would suggest is not that you vacate political activism. What I would suggest is I'd reprioritize it. Whatever percentage you are devoting to praying for revival compared to political activism, so I'd reverse it. So... Whatever percentage more of political activism you're doing to praying for revival, I'd, I'd flip the paradigm. So right now, if it's 90% political activism and 10% praying for revival, I'd do 90% pray for revival and 10% political activism. So I, I wouldn't—and that th- and that's where, you know, Rodrier's Benedict option comes in. I think there's a misunderstanding of what he writes there. I think the assumption is that he's just calling for, you know, exodus to monasteries and we just let the world go to hell, what he's basically calling for is an inversion of our paradigm. And and in the process of of practicing political activism, we just don't give all of our virtue and credibility away to win political battles, which is a lot of what we've done for the last 25, 30 years, and it's one of the major reasons why we've lost Aaron's generation. You want to comment on that at all, Todd?
2: Well, and the, the answer for you in particular uh, within that paradigm shift might and probably will look considerably different than it will look for the person next to you. Um, again, just go back to Scripture. Uh, when uh, the man says to the Lord, hey, I, I mean, I did this, 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 and this. Uh, and the uh, Lord's like, uh, cool, now go this. And the guy's like, not so sure about that. Yeah, you're you know, talking that, about the rich young ruler, right? And, yeah. and, and and that's what we're talking about. I mean, the the an, the specific answer to Steve's question as it applies to you and others um man they, they that's why they off, what's the i can't remember which color pale goes with which color in the matrix but they're off, um i think i'm going to go right back where i came from sorry i asked the question at all you know you got to be ready for what the real truth of this answer is because it I, and i do every day as somebody who's lucky enough to do this show and i, I think steve would agree with me all of us we don't, we need to remindly slap our ourself in the face with the fact um, how far are you willing to step out in faith?
1: The use of the rich young ruler, I think, absolutely applies here, Todd. Because when Christ confronts him, he's not confronting him on the on the basis of asceticism. He's not confronting no. him on the basis of of. Uh, Vir- piety is virtue and virtue is piety. Can, can there be virtue in piety? Yeah, yes. there can be virtue and great wealth as well. I mean if you use your piety to go around and play class warfare, there's nothing virtuous about that. you're a pagan. Yeah. If you use your wealth, however, to fund missionary causes Correct. and charitable causes, then you're, then you are, then you're behaving as a saint. All right, so your socioeconomic condition isn't the basis for your virtue. What you do with it is a demonstration of, what, of, of where your virtue lies. The reason he says to the rich young ruler to go off and sell everything you own is because this was the last remaining idol, the, the one he was clutching like a golem. Correct, and he and he's and and this is where he had ultimately placed his faith, and Jesus wants to see: Are you really? Are you to play? Ultimately, yeah, you did. You did a lot of good moral things, but are you willing to let that last idol go and follow me instead? And and when he put him to the test, what's the rich young ruler do? He goes. He walks away disappointed because he doesn't want to give up that last idol. He 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 doesn't want to be able. He doesn't want to give a faith based offering to God he wants to give his own humanistic offering he wants to give God the offering well I'm willing to behave morally I just take pride in my wealth other people may say you know I'll give you all my wealth if you let me get away with behaving immorally it was the reference to the Sopranos episode I made a couple weeks ago where Paulie walks in to the parish priest and he's like why are you preaching against sin I've donated all the money to help refinish the parish and the priest is like that's not how this works that's not how any of this works. You don't get the, the, there's, these aren't carbon credits on your immorality. You don't get to like murder only. You get to, hey with every with every hundred thousand square feet of new roof you put on the parish is another murder you can create for Tony Soprano. That's not the way. There's not, this is that's not the way this works. Okay, and so those are the hearts are little idol factories, and that's what Jesus is confronting there. And I think that's where we have to revert, inverse our paradigm. Is what what is our idol factory? What is the thing that we want this to be successful, but the way that we are comfortable with it being a success?
3: Yeah. And last Friday, we read a note that was actually sent to you, Steve, uh, from a guy named Matt, who um, has, has done kind of the same thing that that, that that she's describing, which is, you know, knocked on thousands of doors, made thousands of phone calls for candidates and for political parties. And he said that, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't remember the exact words, but he said basically... The deeper he got into his study of God's Word, the, s- the more he soured on politics. She wants to know solutions. Well, what we've been trying to tell you for a long time, and there are ways to be effective in, in uh, advancing what we believe in. There are ways, and those are spelled out in, in, in Rules for Patriots. But as far as a solution goes to everything, what we've been trying to, to articulate now for, for really years is that there are no political solutions for what we've been saying. And I'm just rephrasing what we've been saying this conversation and hundreds, literally hundreds of other conversations we've had in the last couple of years. The only solution. There's a difference between tactics and solutions. The only solution to what we're seeing with America yes. now yep. is revival.
1: Good distinction. appreciate that. That was good, Aaron. Um, which and means I've got, got it. Which it. means I have to do I this. I knew that was coming. Karen writes, oh I appreciate the fact that Aaron is actually wearing a collared shirt today.
3: This shirt has a collar too. No,
1: no. <laughs> This actually came from not today, but from another day. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Karen has emailed me before. She is concerned about uh, your wardrobe, and I find it interesting because i'm I am I, I I don't give a rip, but I, I think it's a, in a way I don't think Karen is slamming you as much as she's slamming me. Like I think Karen is recognizing that at at 45 (laughs) and married for 20-some-odd years, I am beyond saving. I've just mailed it in at this point. And Uh she sees a handsome, single young man. And in a way, I think maybe she's complimenting you. And she's saying, you're selling yourself short here, young man. You could be looking so much better. How so? You've got so much more going for you than Dace does. Steve is so far gone, we're not even going to comment on his wardrobe choices. But you, we
3: have high expectations Seriously, that's the only thing she said? Yes. Yeah. I love, I love the fact that Aaron wore a collared shirt today. That was like a flannel shirt too, if I recall.
2: Do you know how low the bar is when I'm the guy who comes in wearing a blaze <laughs> red? Who yeah. is the dumbest last T-shirt? And I'm—I mean, I'm dressed to the nines, apparently.
3: Yeah, I mean, I—I just—I'm I, at the point to... There, there are some days where it's like you know, maybe I should actually—you know—I'm going on camera today. Maybe I should actually act like it, but. Most of the other days, it's like um, most of the other days, most most days, I should say, it's just uh, wear something. I, I need to get to work pretty quickly because I'm running late as always, and just what's on the floor that doesn't stink, or you know whatever. That that's basically the that's the criteria that I have.
1: In other words, Aaron I'm never left single. college. Yeah. That's what he's telling you.
2: <laughs> I feel I feel ya. yeah.
1: Um, Emily. Wants to test my proclamation to pumpkin spice all the things. She is emailing me about Buffalo Wild Wings is selling pumpkin spice. Told you, Buffalo Wings. I didn't think you were telling the truth, but this is a this is a thing. I, I always tell okay. you the truth. Right. I thought you were. Well, I thought it was like when Aaron sent me the photo of pumpkin spice Clorox. No, that's his thing. <laughs> I thought it was a troll. That's his thing. Okay.
2: People have taken us down those lanes. The yeah. official
1: show position is to pumpkin spice all the things. Amy made me from scratch a recipe that one of our our uh, our listeners and and viewers sent me for pumpkin chocolate chip cookies, and they were phenomenal. Okay, so officially our show position is pumpkin spice well, all the things.
2: Uh, your but- show position. I mean, if Aaron had a graphic for an asterisk over my face <laughs> yeah. right now, no.
1: <laughs> I don't know about pumpkin spice buffalo wings, though, guys. I th- you know what? No. Here's what we're going to do. I I I won't go back on an officially issued edict. I will. It's a little bit like when a governor doesn't have the guts to veto something. He he lets it pass without his signature. You know what I'm saying? So I would much rather err on the side of of going too far with pumpkin spice than not far enough. So I will not endorse. Pumpkin spice chicken wings, but I, I will allow it
3: to pass I, without my know. signature. You know, I think. But th- a flowery I, I, hold that profile and courage. I think that <laughs> that would actually be pretty good if you were heavy on the spice. Because then it would be kind of like a, a little bit of a sweet and spicy type thing, but you got to be heavy on the spice for buffalo wings anyway.
1: You buying it?
2: No. There's no, so many Dude, I'm talking flavors I'm, I'm, there. I'm, well, no, that's true. I'm not wasting the money on that's the chicken true. wings. To, I'm not passing on spicy garlic and hot and all that. No.
3: How by the way, beat ups, Todd? How are spicy garlic less spicy than like uh what's what's the orange sauce? It's they're 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 spicy garlic is supposed to be hotter than uh,
1: habanero is that habanero what you're of? Yeah. yeah
3: and it's it, and it's it, not it's supposed to be that's what it, yeah on the scale
2: yeah I don't know that I mean but
3: we're getting into the, weeds now,
2: the spicy garlic is is like a very doable spicy oh, I'm a
1: big yeah. buffalo guy I like buffalo oh yeah I do it's yeah. excellent. Yeah, like like a chipotle mustard. I'm I'm okay with yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh it's weird cuz even though I'm, I'm I'm Italian and Sicilian by ancestry, I I I don't like tomatoes. I like love tomato sauce. I love marinara, but I don't like tomatoes on my sandwich. And a, a, as I get older, I'm developing more of a taste for spicy stuff. You know, like a few years ago, I'd have been like, you know, buffalo sauce is too hot, but now that I'm getting older, I'm kind of like you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I can buffalo spice spices It's just good for anything. you, too.
2: Is it? It jacks up the, you yeah, know, it is gets it? the system cruising. Yeah, it's, spicy food in general is good. Okay. All
1: right, before we get out of here, this note's for you. This is in your wheelhouse, Okay. All right. Jeremy writes, I keep hearing media personalities and pundits state with conviction that the press is not the enemy of the people, and yet I see them relentlessly attack the Constitution and the Western way of life, support the imposition and whitewashing of socialism despite its wreckage left in other parts of the world. Uh, Blame legal and responsible gun owners for the actions of radical Islamists and, in some cases, unhinged leftists. Marginalize decent Americans who live in states they have nothing but contempt for. Minimalize individual responsibility and liberty. Spit on faith in the family unit. Idolize and inflate government. Show disdain and disrespect for our military and give aid and comfort to our nation's enemies on a constant basis. Help me out here. I can't see the mainstream media as anything but the enemy of the people, given all that behavior. If anyone can have a fruitful discussion on this, it is you guys. I would love you to take this matter on. Todd.
2: Well, I believe I've said it once on the show, uh, once again, uh, I firmly believe that journalism is magical and uh, not at all broken.
3: Oh, that's a great phrase, Todd. It, uh, Did you just come up with that?
2: It, yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> just wait. It just keeps coming. <laughs> Prophetically. Uh, yeah, they— we, it's Steve was just saying uh, when he was summing up uh, the pre fall nature of man that uh, seems like we're so uh, people want to make it seem like so shackled and basically we're given uh, sovereign rule and um, told to procreate uh, as much as possible. You know, how, it, it's not possible. This guy has it exactly right. It, it isn't possible for them to rationally defend their case in the press, which is why. They don't, which is why it, it was a perfect example. You saw it on the show when, um, uh, Brooke Baldwin, whose show you, you have been on Brooke's show. Yeah. You? yeah I mean, I've been
1: on there. Yeah. I'm not sure I'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I you have, on, I was on there once. You have Johnny dangerously once. Y- yes, you have. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, but that's why she does what she, uh, I just, I couldn't let that stand. I mean, we just can't let their talking, your whole scam is yes. talking points journalism. <laughs> yes. So you try to turn it around and, and, uh, You often succeed because there's so many, as I got done talking about that on the show, there's just suckers everywhere, but you're trying to reverse a a paradigm. We've got to stop letting you. I mean, you are the talking points all the time. You aren't the news. This letter writer has it exactly right.
3: Yeah, and this attitude from journalists, and you guys both would probably know better than I do, and the fact that I I can see this uh, just tells you how systemic this is. There is an attitude within journalists that is inculcated from a very, very uh, young time in their careers, and that is of the tragic, romantic uh, watcher on the wall uh, who, who who is doing everyone a favor with their existence. Even you know, even though you uh, work for a podunk TV station, and this is not I mean, this is, I would say, ninety eight percent of of journalists that I've seen, even those who have come out of the ranks of the Christian private college that I came to. Watching them on Twitter you would see absolutely no difference between them and the rest of um, the rest of the landscape of journalists there is there is there there's some I'll put it this way mildly as possible there's there's some issues there just just a few there's
1: some issues there all right quickly anything we learn anything today this week yeah like 20 seconds do you learn anything
2: I learned that it's a blast to be on the blaze love it
3: yeah love being live again.
1: Yeah, it's been a ton of fun. Thanks to everybody at The Blaze for making this happen and our friends and co-workers at CRTV as well. Everybody have a great weekend. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Until Monday, John 317.
0: This is Steve Dace. On The Blaze Radio Network.